the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for contentment? We've got an answer for you next on Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. does it mean to be content? Better yet, how do we find contentment? Is it found in happiness, joy, things, or is it found in a person? Hi there. Welcome to Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from the well, a Christian community in Livermore, California. You know, most of us would figure that contentment is found in things, having the latest and the greatest. But the elusiveness of contentment is quickly seen in that we want the next latest and greatest model after the one we just got. Now, true contentment, as we'll see today, is found only in Christ. For the details, here's Pastor Napoleon. For us, as we're going through lives, our lives, one of the greatest things that we could ever do as we're journeying through life, as we're in a place, being prepared in a place, and getting ready for, for a place, is to learn the art of silence and instruction. Because, you know, our mouth wants to tell us everything that we need to know or do, or the how and the what and the where and the when. And, the, and sometimes, in order to really get the perception and to see clearly and to really get introduced to the mystery of contentment, the best thing that we can do is just be quiet. And learn, like he said in verse 11, to minister to ourselves about the things that we do have and, this, and, the, and to be satisfied with what we do have instead of getting to this place where we talk ourselves out of um, the blessed state that we really are in. I don't understand why I don't have a house like them. And the Lord, he must be taking me through a trial right now. I don't know. The Lord, what do I need to repent? Just tell me I'll do it. I've been faithful, God. How come you're not coming through right now? I said, now. This doesn't feel good, Lord, but I'll do it. And we, we get ourselves into a position where we start to talk ourselves out of, of gratitude, of thankfulness, of God's faithfulness. And we start to measure ourselves by what we see in other people's lives instead of just being silent and saying, God, what are you doing in my life? And God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. And so Apostle Paul says, I've learned. He basically is saying here that he's been able to crack the code and understand the value of this mystery. And then he says it. He says, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry. Look at verse 12. Both to abound and to suffer need. 
Every single person in our lives, I guarantee you, there's areas in your life where you are full and complete, and there's areas in your life where you have need, but God is faithful and has sustained you through it all. It's called life. Life just happens. And if you learn how to stop, assess the situation, realize that now self-sufficiency kicks in, And I have to learn, I have to convince myself that the spare tire is enough. That I'm satisfied in this moment. I'm not going to flip out, stress out, because God, you made a way anyhow when I was in my tough situation. And God, you spared us. We didn't, nothing happened to us. And so God, I thank you that what you've done, that where I'm at, what you're going to do. And God, I know I'm going to get another tire. So why do I need to flip out now? I learned. We got to learn how to be a base. But then also how to what? Abound. And learn how to rest in God regardless of the situations. Not denying that it's a tough situation. But I guarantee you, saints, if we change our perspective. And we learn just to be silent about it. God will start convincing us and showing us in our hearts as we yield to him that God, I got, I got it. I got enough for right now, for what, I, what you're doing in me now and for what you will do for me in my life. God, I thank you. I've learned the art of contentment in life. The enemy wants to do is magnify things, convince us that God is not with us, but we've got to learn the secret We've got to learn this secret. We have to tap into the mystery of contentment. Because if we don't, we'll find ourselves going down the wrong road. He says, I've learned both to be be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. Verse 12, look at verse 13. Because this is the golden key. He says, I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens. It doesn't matter how high I get or how low I get. If my perspective is right, if I've learned to shut the mouth, if I've learned to, I learned to get into the mystery of God and contentment, then God will cause me through Christ to be strengthened in every area and I can do whatever I need to do in that moment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the key, the golden key for Apostle Paul's successes in life. All things through Christ. Everything through Christ. Sometimes it's tough financially, tough economically, tough in the marriage, tough with the children. But saints, you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. What's your perspective? How do you see where you're at, what God is doing in that moment, and what he will do in your life? How do you see it? That is the power of contentment. We've got to learn how to grasp a hold of this and really say to ourselves, God, it's never as good as I think it is, but it's never as bad as I think it is either. It's never as bad as I think it is. Because I'm in all things, I'm going to have what I need. And in all things, there's going to be times where I do have need. That's life. Just when you think you got everything you need, here comes something else. Just when the house is just totally perfect and then then the washing machine breaks. Isn't that true, saints? Car is clean. You rolling. I mean rolling. What do you do? 
Say, Lord, I thank you. Praise God. Let's keep on rolling. Learn the value. And, And at the end of the day, every response I need, I can do through Christ who gives me the strength. He gives me the strength. I want to give you a couple points here that I believe are are roots of our discontentment sometimes in life. And uh, if we'd be honest, we'll find out that God is trying to uproot all of this from our hearts so that we would we have a better chance of, of understanding this mystery and getting insight into learning this Greek word that means to shut the mouth and to be introduced to things that are, that are secret in the sight of God. Meaning, God's going to show me how to just enjoy my life, even though everything around in my life isn't totally perfect. But I believe that the key here is that we've got to learn our, know what our enemy is and how to really navigate through this so we don't get caught up in what we see happening with the world. You know, I honestly believe that some people are struggling with depression solely because they're merit, measuring themselves by somebody else. Watch this. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 1 on down to 6. You know, I was thinking about this on my way over here. You know, I want more of God. But I really enjoy what I have in God now. You know, it's it's like we're always, God, give me more. And we never just stop to say, God, I thank you for what you are doing in my life and how you are in my life. Now, there's nothing wrong, like I said earlier, with wanting more of God, but at least we could do is stop and say, God, I thank you for what I do have in you right now. God, you satisfy my soul. Look at this. Let brotherly love continue. Verse 1. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners... As if chained with them. Those who are mistreated. He says since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Now watch this. Let your conduct be without what? Covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so this is the first thing that we have to see here. And I believe that it is a root of of discontentment. And that is, is covetousness. Like I've stated earlier, for many people... They are not satisfied with what God is doing in their life because they're constantly measuring themselves by somebody else, looking what somebody else, looking at what somebody else has. And this is, this is a great danger because what God has allotted to you may not be what he's allotted to them. And if we keep measuring ourselves by somebody else, we're all going to end in frustration and we'll all never really enjoy our day-to-day lives with God because we'll be on this constant quest to find something and really the something that we're looking for is what somebody else has that we want and we're just disappointed that we don't have it. And we have to stop and ask God to uproot all covetousness in our lives. This is what caused Cain to kill Abel. His own covetousness. 
He's measuring himself by, him, by his brother instead of just measuring himself by himself. It's a lack of wisdom for us to do this. And, but it happens all the time. Whether it's with our talents, gifts, and abilities. Whether it's our bank accounts. Whether what kind of house. Everybody wants a status symbol. But Jesus was born in a manger. He didn't come looking with the flashiest and the best and the bling. And, and I'm not against those things. But I'm just saying for us as human beings, we have to stop and realize that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he or she possesses. It doesn't make us better because we have more. It could, uh, it, listen, some of the richest people that are walk upon the face of this planet do not know Jesus. They could care less about Jesus. They don't have any kind of... But if we're measuring ourselves by then, then we're going to be sadly mistaken on the day of judgment. God's not asking me about what you got in your pocket. Can I have an amen? What God is asking for is what have you done with what I have given you? What are you doing with what I am doing in your life? But covetousness is dangerous. And we do this. Sometimes we do this subconsciously. We come in and the first thing we're looking at is who sh- what the shoes look like. We're walking in the room looking down. What, 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 whose hair looks the best? Mm-hmm. We're measuring it. And we're talking about. Measure, that's, what, that's what people do. That's what the, let's say, that's what the world does. Compete. Who's got the car? Who's got the car in the parking lot? Whoa, whoa. We're looking at these rap videos and half these brothers don't even own the car. They rented it for the video. We're talking about, I want one of them. That, they don't even own it. <laughs> That's what happens. We think, we think it's about the stuff. And I thank God for the stuff. We thank God. But the stuff should not be our motivation in life. It should not fuel us in life. When we start measuring ourselves with other people, then we stop appreciating what God is doing in our lives. And it becomes a root for covetousness, this, root, this becomes a root that springs up and it gets us to the point of discontentment. We, we're never happy, never satisfied with nothing. God blesses us with something and then the next thing you know, we're waiting for the next thing. Whoa, this is good. God bless me. What else you going to do? I mean, we, we ain't get out the parking lot with the new car and we're looking at another one. Oh, I should have got that one instead. We do this in relationships. She was cute. He was cute. Ten years later, do I need to start preaching to the walls in here? But that's what happens. People aren't content. Content. Listen to all. Listen, you that are planning on getting married, understand. You're going to have a beautiful marriage. I, I believe you're going to have a beautiful marriage. But at some point in time. There's going to come a point in your marriage when you're going to realize that the honeymoon is over. That brother is going to be musty. You're going to have to clean up stuff that you don't want to clean up. She may not cook as good as you thought she was cooking in the beginning. You're going to have to take out the trash and sometimes you're not going to... Things, it's not going to be, it's going to be life, baby. So I'm not going to tell you that you're going to be tiptoeing through the tulips for the rest of your life. That's my marriage counseling for y'all right now. 
<laughs> you got to roll up your sleeve, love your spouse, go through the, the trials and tribulations, go through working together, go through living together now. It's called life. Can I have an amen? amen? And we have to learn the mystery of contentment regardless of what is going on around us. And I want to say it there this with you. The grass is not greener on the other side all the time. Stay faithful in your marriage. Don't do anything ignorant. Amen? amen. I don't know who that was for, but I, the, the, Holy Ghost is, the Holy Ghost is up in here. But say, this is what happens. I want to just minister this to us. Because what happens is we don't learn the values. We start coveting in life. But I love the writer of Hebrews says. It says it very clearly here. He says, let your, look at verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. So we get ready to close this out. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 3 on down to 10. It's convincing ourselves that I have adequacy and enough. Learning to be quiet and say, God, I thank you for what you're doing now. What you will do. God, I appreciate what you're doing. Look at verse 3. It says, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings, of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, he says, withdraw yourself. He says in verse 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be what? Content. Now watch this. Now this is the key. Because God, I'm going to show you this in verse 17. God is not against us having stuff. He's not. The, most, the richest person that probably has ever walked upon this planet is King Solomon. God gave him everything. Stuff that the world hasn't seen. Ivory and gold and silver and palaces and all kinds of stuff. God blessed him. God gave it to him. God's not against prospering you and blessing you. But what happens is when our desires and our pursuits begin to change, and we're going to see this, when we just have an insatiable desire to be rich, then what, and, to fall, and we fall in love with money and stuff, then what we're doing is we're cutting ourselves off what true, the true value and meaning of life is all about. It says here in verse, in verse um, 8, And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content, he says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts. Those are unlawful desires which drown men in destruction and perdition. 
For the love of money. It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of it. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some, watch this, have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through. It says with many sorrows. A lot of people are sorrow, have sorrow in their hearts and depression because they're not getting what they want from a monetary standpoint and just from a stuff standpoint. And what does it do? It pierces a person's through and some people have strayed from the faith. I've seen it. I've seen it in this church. People that used to go to this church, what happened to them? Man, they went off on the business hunt. Now you don't see them. They don't walk with God. They're not trying to see God. They're not faithful to God. They've, they've got another God now. And it's a shame because a person doesn't realize that godliness with contentment is great game. God's going to bless you. Look at verse 17. Look at this. Look what it says. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. Nor to trust in uncertainty and in uncertain riches. But in the living God who gives us richly all things to what? To enjoy. It says, let them do good. That they may be rich in good works. Ready to give. Willing to share. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. That they may lay hold on eternal life. God says, the stuff that we do have. He said, enjoy it. How little you have or how much you have. He says, God has given us richly all things to enjoy. And so there's nothing wrong with enjoying the prosperity and the blessing in our lives. But saints, we have to stop and make sure that there's just not this ungodly desire just to be rich that's fueling us in life. It's one of the roots of discontentment and it stops people from really just enjoying their lives. Saints, hear me. Enjoy your life. You may not have everything. But thank God for what you do have. And work that thing until God blesses you with some more. Or with something else. Or with a new car. Or with a new house. Or with a new... Not a new spouse, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) If you don't have a spouse, then he blesses you with a spouse. It's on tape. I corrected that. But since we, we, we have to enjoy your life. If we're pursuing gain, uh, like what it says, we're going to pierce ourselves through our greediness. We're going to pierce ourselves through with many sorrows. I don't have nothing. You got a house? You got an apartment? You, you, you got a place to lay your head? Yeah, I do. But I don't have nothing. <laughs> you got a job? Yeah, I got a job. You happy about your job? Well, I was. The first day until I you got a job a lot of people don't have a job they don't do you have a job no I don't have a job are you still here are you making it are you getting your resume out there are you getting on the grind you're hustling you're getting out there letting God use you he's not going to just sit he's not going to bless you just sitting here eating bonbons you better get up and start paving the pavement start paving the pavement find something God's got something for you you better look for that open door come on now yeah but this is how people, they live their lives because they're just measuring. Instead of stopping and saying, you know, godliness with contentment is great gain. 
Am I walking with Jesus? Yes. Am I full of the Holy Ghost? Yes. Is God on my side? Yes. Am I covered in the blood? Yes. Is God going to bless me? Yes. Is God blessing me? Yes. Is God will bless me? Yes, he will. God is in my life. I'm going to be just fine. Come on, let's go out. Let's go out and walk on the beach and see the sun and, and see what God is doing. Maybe let's go to the music party. Let's have a good time. Why don't you have a barbecue? You know what I mean? I don't got all the furniture, but I got enough. I got a few chairs here. You can sit on down. Let's have a barbecue. What's, have you unlocked the code got into the mystery and seen what Apostle Paul found out in life that caused him in the midst of all he went through to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think we need to give God some praise today. Come on, let's stand to our feet and give God some praise today. Let's stand to our feet and let's just say, God, thank you. Father, we stretch our hands to you. Lord, we know that everything's not perfect in our lives. And there are areas in our lives where, God, you're still supplying the need. But, Lord, we pause this afternoon to say thank you for where we're at, what you're doing in us while we're in this position, and for what you will do in our lives. Our futures are in your hands. Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of The Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551. You can also stop by our website, learn more about us, and drop us an email. Thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. And then, of course, by phone, 925-292-7800. That's 925-292-7800. As you visit our website, don't forget to look for the link to our Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook, simply search The Well Christian Community. You can even follow Pastor Napoleon on Twitter with the address at Napoleon Kaufman, all one word. Until next time, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life and may he bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Mm -hmm.